Good to see you guys today. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for being here with us. You know, I'm always changing up my workout routines, and uh, lately, because the weather's been great, I've been trying to go for a long walk, kind of more days a week than not, like three or four miles. Really get out, stretch it out, walk at a fast pace, you know, try to, try to stay in some semblance of shape. And I've noticed that, like, the first half of my walk and the kind of path I take is downhill, like for two miles, pretty much downhill. And when the walk is downhill, it's awesome, right? I mean, the birds are chirping. The wind is literally to my back. It's like God is good. The world is good. The Cowboys will win a Super Bowl before I die. Like, these are the things that go through my mind when I'm going downhill, you know? Like, everything's good. Life's good. It's cool. Because I got the flow. I'm going downhill. But something happens about two miles in when I have to turn around and go back. And now I'm walking uphill. The walk uphill doesn't feel anything like the walk downhill. In the walk uphill, time slows down. Everything gets hard and focused and disciplined. The birds aren't chirping. They're squawking, (laughs) right? The wind is not to my back. The God-forsaken wind is blowing in my face. When will it stop? I call it apocalyptic death wind. You know, it just feels like it's going to kill me. It's blowing so hard and so long, right? Um, I mean, just uphill, everything is more difficult. And inevitably, there's a place on the uphill climb where I start saying, how long? How long? You know, you just say, how long do I got to do this? How long has this got to be hard? My back starts hurting. All these things. How long? And I think any time we're in an uphill battle, the how long question creeps in. Some of you today have been walking uphill for a long time. It feels like you're uphill at work. It feels like you're uphill raising your kids. It feels like uphill all the way just trying to keep your mental health. It feels like uphill trying to deal with health challenges and uphill trying to deal with marriage challenges and uphill trying to deal with life challenges. Some of you feel like it feels uphill just trying to, to deal with spiritual challenges going on in your life. And so uphill all the way, baby. And when it's uphill, it's slow going. It's hard. It's difficult. And we start saying, how long? When we're going uphill, sometimes the tendency is to start focusing on our pain, to start focusing on our problems, to start focusing on all the stuff going on around us, and to shift our focus from God. And so almost unconsciously, God gets smaller and our problems get bigger. But I want to encourage you today, because when you realize God is bigger than anything, even on the uphill climb, you realize that nothing can stop your praise. And when nothing can stop your praise, nothing will stop your joy. So if you're going uphill today, if it's an uphill climb, that doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. Come on, somebody, you needed to hear that. If it's an uphill climb, that doesn't mean, you know, it's because of that thing you did 15 years ago, right? If it's an uphill climb, it doesn't mean that, like, you know, God doesn't love you and he isn't moving. It just means you're human. We all have uphill seasons, and frankly, sometimes life feels like it's mostly uphill. That's just being human, but there is a way to have more joy on the climb, and that is through praising even in your problems. So we've been in this series called Heavens on the Move. We've said, hey, we're going to look at uh, a different song each week for a few weeks here from Central Live's brand new deluxe album of all original songs. It's my favorite album we've ever done. It's amazing. It's out there for free, all streaming platforms. 
But these were the songs our team wrote over the last two years through COVID and all of that stuff. I feel like these were the battle songs that we sang as they were being written and that we worshiped to that helped us get through. One of my favorites is the song, Nothing Can Stop My Praise. And it just says, no matter what comes my way, my heart will respond with praise. I will sing to you. It goes on to say, nothing will stop my praise. Um, Basically, God, you've been faithful to me in a million ways. I've seen it again and again. Nothing will stop my praise. And when you praise, and it affects everything in your life. Praise affects how you relate to your kids or your friends. Praise affects whether or not you attract the right person into your life that one day you may date and hang out with a lot. Hello. (laughs) Praise. Praise affects uh, how you handle work, how you handle your attitude. Praise affects everything in your life. And if you will praise in your problems, you can find strength and joy even in the uphill climb. So... To set it up with you today, I want to go to a pretty obscure Old Testament book, famous passage, but an obscure book. Uh, It's called the book of Habakkuk. So today you can be like, hey man, did you go to church? Yeah, I wonder what you learned. We learned about Habakkuk. Smart. I know these things. Habakkuk is a minor prophet. Okay, in the Old Testament, you have what they call major prophets and minor prophets. Minor prophets. So some of you are like, wow, well, you know, so what is he like not as gifted as the major prophets? He's a minor prophet? No, it's literally the size of the book. So the major prophets are like Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah. They have like 40 chapters, 50 chapters, 60 chapters. The minor prophets are like Hosea, Jonah, Malachi, and Habakkuk and other books. They just have a few chapters. Habakkuk is three chapters long. That's it. You could literally read it in 10 to 15 minutes. But Habakkuk is interesting because the prophets of God usually spoke to the people of God with a message from God. Habakkuk doesn't speak to people at all. The book of Habakkuk is a conversation between the prophet and God. And he's struggling with his doubts. It's an uphill climb and he's wrestling with it. And he cries out to God. Look at what he says. Habakkuk chapter one, beginning in verse two. Uh, when we get to the red word, just say it real loud here with me. But, but this is basically how the book starts. Habakkuk says, how long? There it is. How long, O Lord? Must I call for help? But you do not listen. Anybody ever felt like you called to God for help and like, all you heard was white noise. You're like, God, what is going on? This is where the prophet is. He says, violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? So Habakkuk lived in the southern kingdom of Israel before its destruction by the Babylonians in the latter days of that kingdom before it was destroyed. So he's looking around at the Israelite people, his own people, and he's like, man, their violence is everywhere. And then he says, um... I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I, what? Look, wherever I look, he says, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Man, can I relate to that? Come on, somebody. Anybody looked in the comments section on social media lately? 
He says the laws become paralyzed. There's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. Habakkuk's looking out and he's like, God, man, what is going on? Because it feels like the bad people are winning and the good people are being trampled. It feels like it's uphill all the way. And the book of Habakkuk goes through three chapters. At the end, the last chapter, God gives this amazing response to Habakkuk and Habakkuk responds with this prayer that's to be put to music. It's a song. And the last verses of the book of Habakkuk are the most famous verses in the book and in some ways are some of the most famous verses from the Old Testament of the Bible. We'll get to those. But through the journey, he goes from struggle and saying how long to finally getting to a place of praise. And that's a journey we can all go on. In fact, I want to encourage you today. If you want more joy in your life, if you want to be able to push forward even when it's hard, my first challenge is to simply praise through your problems. Just praise through your problems. I remember when my kid was, our, my, our kids were little, uh, especially my son, he was all about his pacifier. I mean, he had to have that pacifier in his mouth all the time, and he would work it, you know. I mean, I was like, dude, you are obsessed, man. It was not, but if he didn't have his pacifier, it was not cool around the house, you know? And so you can read all the parenting books you want, but every young parent will tell you it's about survival now, baby. We're just trying to get by. You know, I mean, they don't bribe your kids. I'm like, when's the last time your kids were little, man? And they're taking over your life. You're like, hey, you want some chocolate? (laughs) Survival. Come on. Sorry. All you perfect parents be offended. We were just trying to get by at the Wilhite household. We're a mess, okay? And so, man, he's got his pacifier. And Lori and I are concerned because we're like, he loves it too much. It's like his precious from the Lord of the Rings, you know? Like, like how are we going to break him of this thing? And, and uh, she read some stuff online that, that you can take a pacifier. Somebody's going to thank me for this. And you can start trimming just a little bit of it off, the part that they suck. You just trim a little bit, a little bit. And over time, less and less and less. And, and you're kind of weaning them off of it until they no longer need it. And so Lori did the whole thing. She trimmed it, trimmed it, trimmed it. At one point, he pulled it out. He goes, it woken. We're like, nope. (laughs) It's all good, buddy. It is what it is. It's the same. He sticks it back in his mouth. Yeah. We go through the whole thing. And then we took a trip to see the in-laws. And when we come back, he's like, he's like, you know, where's my pacifier? He called it, his pacifier in his blanket, he called his oosh, 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 you know? And I'm like, oh boy, it's gonna be total meltdown. Like, here we go on the floor, bouncing around, like the whole thing, I'm, I'm, I'm bracing for it. And Lori goes, well, we, you know, we left it at, at Mimi's house. It's just, it's gone. And, and he goes, okay. And he just walked off. I was like, wow, it's amazing. It worked. Till sometime later, he came walking down the street, or walking down the steps, and he had found a pacifier under the bed, all kinds of dirt and crap on it, right back in his mouth. I'm like, start the trimming process again. I'll tell you that story because we as adults have our pacifiers. Mm. We all have our stuff, right? We have our things that we turn to to find security and comfort. And, and uh, some of those things can be great. Sometimes they can be healthy. But when you make those things the number one thing in your life, you set yourself up, right? Because now you're depending on something more in your life than you're depending on God. And God loves us enough to discipline his children, the Bible says, 
And sometimes he'll take some things away that we really do love so that we can learn that even without those things, he is all we need. And sometimes he'll allow those things to come back into your life. But you now have a different relationship with them because you remember, that's good and I'm grateful for it, but that's not going to be my God. I'm not going to put that thing as number one. Habakkuk is looking out at his situation and God basically says, I, I, am, I hear you, Habakkuk. I've heard the, 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 your cries. And he says, I'm going to move and I'm going to work. And God answers his question that we just read. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise up a foreign nation called the Babylonians, and they're going to come in and destroy Israel. <laughs> and Habakkuk was like, whoa, what? There's two questions in Habakkuk. The first one is, God, how long are you going to let all this wickedness go on, all that? The second is, God, how can you use the Babylonians, who are worse than the Israelites, to come in and destroy the Israelites? Isn't the answer like rescuing us, not destroying us? That's where, that's where he starts arguing with God. That's his second question, the book of Habakkuk. It's a long answer, but God basically says, look, I know the Babylonians are corrupt. I know they're evil. He goes through multiple different things. He lists out in chapter two the, the issues he has with the Babylonians. They charge crazy interest so the rich keep the poor oppressed. They use slave labor so they destroy other people in the process of building their kingdom. He says the Babylonians, they throw huge parties so they build these massive homes and then they all get drunk and party their brains out and they do it on the backs of the poor who they continue to hold down as poor and they worship idols. God's like, oh yeah, the Babylonians will get theirs. But he basically communicates to Habakkuk that he can raise up nations that he doesn't agree with and use them for his purposes to discipline his people, Israel. And he says, after that discipline... The Babylonians, they continue in their ways, they'll be judged. The lesson of Habakkuk is that all nations will be judged by the fair and balanced scale of a loving God. And it doesn't matter what you call your nation. If you're corrupt and you're wicked and you oppress and you destroy and you rape and pillage everywhere you go, there are consequences for those actions, right? And God basically says through the pro to the prophet, hey, I'll take care of Babylon. You don't worry about that. But you need to realize that one day I will bring an exodus. He talks about a second exodus. The first exodus, God led the Israelite people through the waters on dry land into the promised land. He says, I'll bring them through another exodus, so to speak, where there'll be justice and there will be hope and things will be fair. And for us today, we think forward. That's the hope that we have of heaven and the hope of we have of the day to come. And so God brings Habakkuk from this turmoil. How long? Why did the wicked continue to thrive? Why is there so much injustice going on around? me. And we all feel this in our own way. Don't you look around life today sometimes and just be like, man, it's a mess, y'all. But Habakkuk comes back to faith. God's actually told him, hey, I'm going to deal with the situation and it's going to get more steep before it goes downhill. God basically says it's going to get worse before it gets better. And Habakkuk has to come around to the fact of what does he do with all that? This is how Habakkuk ends. This is where he lands. Some of you guys are like, whoa. 
Habakkuk 3, verse 17. He says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will, what? I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Now look at this. There's a progression here. Habakkuk's looking out and he's saying, even though the fig trees have no, no blossoms and there are no grapes, those are sweet things. That's like dessert. Wine and fig, figs would, would bring a sweetness to things. How, how many of you like dessert? Like any, who's, who, who are my dessert people? Yeah, that's right. You should get dessert today because you made it to church. Your pastor told you to do it. No, I'm just obeying the Lord. My pastor told me to do it. Let's bring that scripture back up. He says, that, you know, there's no fig trees. Uh, there's no fig. There's no, um, uh, no blossoms. There's no, no grapes on the vines. So there's no dessert. There's no sweet things. Then there's a progression. He says, even though the olive crop fails, olive crops, olives will be used for cooking and oil and all of this. And there's, the, the fields lie empty. So there's no food and bread and wheat to even cook, right? Like things are getting desperate now. Like we don't have things to cook with. We don't have basic needs in our life. And then he says, look, the flocks die in the fields. The cattle barns are empty. That's, that was wealth in the ancient world. That's like saying the bank account went to zero. You got hacked. Doggone, right? You know, you got scammed. It's a, you got nothing. And he's like, even if it's all gone, if the food's gone and the money's gone and the nice things are gone and the dessert's gone, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And then he uses this word, no food, no money, no nothing, joyful. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. You know what he's saying? Look, when nothing can stop your praise, nothing will stop your joy. Deep drop it. Habakkuk's looking out and he's like, all right, God, if things are going to get worse, if things are going to get better, get worse, then I am going to praise you no matter how tough it gets and that will see me through the struggle. So when the problems start to feel like they're the biggest thing in your life, you got to remember what God has done. It's a lot of what Habakkuk does before this verse in chapter three. He recounts some of the great miracles God has done through the Bible. He remembers the things God has done in his own life, and he realizes that even when it's tough, God will see me through. Think about it. If God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, he can create a new life that is greater than you can imagine. Look, if, if God breathed his spirit into the first humans and blessed them, he can fill you with hope and purpose. If God can bring order from chaos as he did in creation, he can calm the chaos in your heart and give you a sense of peace that passes understanding. If God can deliver his people from slavery through signs and wonders, then he can rescue you from whatever is holding you back. If God can part the Red Sea, then he can make a way through your impossible situation. If God can sustain his people for 40 years in the wilderness, then he can sustain you in your situation and get you what you need when you need it. If God can make the sun stand still to give the Israelites an unfair advantage in battle, then he can give you the favor that you need to secure a victory in your own life. Listen, if God gave his son 
so that you could be free, how much more would he rejoice to give you everything you need for your salvation? If God rose Jesus from the depths of the grave to the highest place of honor and authority, he can raise you up from whatever is weighing you down. It may be uphill, but you got to remember all that God has already done for you and in you and through you. And then you got to praise, even if it's through gritted teeth, you got to praise, even if it hurts and it's challenging, you got to praise even when doubts are going on in your heart and in your life because when you praise it will get you through your problems and you will find joy you got to praise through the problems you got to praise through the problems here's another thought you got to praise through your worry got to praise through your worry Uh, I I went to the doctor and uh, they saw something on my leg a while back they didn't really like, and so they referred me to dermatologists. So I go to the dermatologist, do a biopsy, and they're like, yeah, this, uh, we don't, we're not saying this is cancerous, but it could be cancerous, but we're gonna have to take out a pretty good-sized chunk of your leg. All right, come on, now all the what-ifs start. So I go in, because they said, we can't do the procedure, we're gonna refer you to another dermatologist who could do this, it's a minor surgery, do the procedure. Okay, so I go in. And uh, I think we're just going to talk about it again because I'd never been to this new office. And when I show up, they're like prepped for minor surgery. And I'm like, well, all right, it's right before Easter. I'm like, all right, let's just get it done. Let's just get it done. Jesus rose from the grave. (laughs) Cut me. (laughs) So I go, I sit down and the lady says, now, after this is done, you know, you're going to have stitches and stuff in your leg and uh, you're not going to be able to like be out and about a lot, you can't work out, and you really need to limit your movement in the next week or two until these stitches really take, or it could reopen and be a whole issue. And I'm like, lady, it's Easter. Like, I'm not gonna sit down at all. So I said, well, what, do I, is there another option? And she goes, well, you know, really the only other option is we can leave it as an open wound. It'll take like three months to heal. You have to change the dressing three times a day. Um, and I said, but I can like do all the things I need to do. She's like, yeah, you can do all the things you need to do. I'm like, all right, we'll do that one. I know (laughs) she did give me the look like it's Easter man. Can't lay down. So we did it. And at the end of the procedure, I looked down at the hole in my leg, which was deeper and bigger than they told me it was going to be. I'm telling you. You know, they're always like, it's no problem. Then you look down, you're like, is that my muscle I'm seeing down there in my leg? If I flex, does my muscle start coming through? All the what ifs, right? I remember sitting there thinking like, what if that thing bleeds out on the stage at Easter? What if it gets infected? Come on, has it got infected somewhere for somebody? They had to cut their whole leg off, right? What if it gets infected, right? What if uh, all the what ifs, and isn't that where we often live? Anything that happens in our lives, the what ifs are right there. You look out at the future and you start imagining all the things. What if my leg never heals up? What if the skin doesn't grow back? That's like the Grand Canyon down in there. What if it's not, you know, all the what ifs. We watch the news, we deal with family issues, we look at the situations that we're facing and we go through all the what ifs. Then I'm like, well, what, what if I have cancer? What if, you know, like it's spread? What if it's bigger 
By the way, I don't. <laughs> I didn't tell him that last week, <laughs> last night. Last night, I just sort of left it out there. I'm like, oh, no, I'm all good. <laughs> Everybody's like, it's all good. does feel like, though, with a lot of things, it's not really a question of, like, if. It's a question of when, right? And the good news is that God will be with us whenever that day comes. Worry is looking out at the future and seeing fear, misfortune, suffering, bad things. And some of us live here. I think I, I'm tempted to live here. I think it's easy for us to live here. You think about your kids, your job, your finances, you know, what's going on in the world, and you just look out at the future. You want to, but have you ever thought of this? Hope is actually a spiritual discipline where you, this is a learned behavior if you're going to live here, and you can learn to see things through the lenses of hope. You can discipline yourself to see things through lenses of hope. Look at what hope says. Hope looks at the future and says, all these things might happen, but I have God's help, and I have God's strength, and I have God's guidance, and I have good things. <laughs> Habakkuk knows what's coming is going to be hard. Right? If the Babylonians are going to come in and destroy Israel, you know, like what's coming is going to be hard. But he looks out and he says, I can have hope, even though what I'm facing may be difficult. And then we get to Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 19, one of the most famous verses um, in the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk. Here's what it says It says, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as what? Sure footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Now, older translations translate this differently. They say, he, basically, God gives me hinds feet that can tread in the high places. Um, there was a, a, an allegory that came out years ago called Hind's Feet in High Places, and uh, it was a bestseller. Uh, it's based on that scripture in the older translations. A hind is a female deer. And the idea is that a female deer has the ability, uh, if they're sure-footed, to basically put their rear feet where their front feet just were, which is a very important skill when you're ascending a very dangerous climb. And so a female deer can climb with great speed through difficult terrain because they put their hind feet, their, their, their back feet, they put their back feet where their front feet just were so they're sure-footed. And Habakkuk's looking out and he's like, God, it's uphill. It's difficult. The climb is hard. It's, I can slip. Things can happen. But God, you are my strength, he says. You make me as sure-footed as a deer. You give me hind's feet in high places. You allow me to move with agility and ability because you are my strength. And so even if it's uphill, God, you can make me sure-footed. Even if it's uphill, I don't have to worry about falling. Even if it's uphill, God, I know you're going to see me through. And so if you're uphill right now, that just means, hey, you're normal. You're human. If it's high places right now and it's treacherous, just remember God can give you a sure-footedness. You can praise him in the worry. You can't always turn the what ifs off, but you can shift to the even those. <laughs> you can shift to the even those. Even though my checking account is going down, I will rejoice in the God who provides what I need every day. Even though 
Even though I'm facing issues too big for me to figure out, I will rejoice in the God of wisdom and provision. Look, even though I, I, I don't know what the future holds, I'm going to rejoice in the God who holds the future. Even though people around me are panicking, I'm going to rejoice in the God of peace. Even though the you know, situations I'm facing may get worse, even though I may fear for those I love, I'm going to rejoice in the God who can heal and protect. Even though I'm discouraged about all the things that, that maybe are going to change in my life, I'm going to rejoice in the God who is the same yesterday and today and for Forever. Even though I'm freaked out by what I see on the news, I'm going to rejoice in the God who is the Lord of the ruler of nations. Even though I feel like I can barely hold things together, I'm going to rejoice in the God who holds me together. Even though it feels like I can't rest, I'm going to rejoice in the God who said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What ifs will come into my life, but I respond with even those. Even though. So no matter what comes my way, nothing can stop my praise. No matter how uphill it feels, nothing can stop my praise. And because nothing can stop my praise, nothing can stop my joy. Because nothing can stop your praise, nothing can stop your joy. So if it's uphill, just know a lot of us are walking uphill right now. You're in good company. And I know it's a temptation to focus all on the problem, but maybe this week, go grab Central Live's album, uh, Heaven's on the Move. Click on Nothing Can Stop My Praise. It doesn't cost a thing. And if you're old school, but you can buy the CD, I'm just going to say it. I had a friend hit me this morning on social media and she said, I ran, well, first of all, she ran for 10 miles this morning. It's already done before church even started. You were sleeping, so was I. It's pretty cool because she put on her social media, she said, how can I pray for you? I'm about to run. This is my time where I pray and I praise and I put worship on. And she took people's prayer requests on social media. And then she, she ran her 10 miles and she said it was awesome. And I just thought about, look, it was uphill. It was hard. But as I'm running, I'm remembering nothing can stop my praise. Nothing can stop my praise. She can run 10 miles this morning. You can handle what's coming at you in the grace and power of God. Nothing can stop your praise. He can give you hinds feet in high places. He can make you sure-footed even when the terrain is difficult. So maybe this week it's a reminder that when it gets hard and when you and I want to pull back and just focus on the pain and the difficulty and the hard, that's precisely when we need to hit play and start praising and singing. And if you're not a singer, humming. God knows our hearts, right? And just say, God, look, I praise you. I worship you. I respond to you. I give you things. It'll lift your spirit. It'll help you. It will break some of the cloud that's hanging over you in that moment. It made the climb may still be uphill, but you praise through your problems and you praise through your worries and it gives you a different perspective on those problems and worries. Maybe you've never crossed the line of faith, and I'd love to give you that chance today to reach out to God, to ask him to move and work in your life, uh, to place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, 
The Bible says if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. So I'd love to just lead you in a simple prayer. Just You can pray out loud after me. You can just pray in your own heart and life to just come back to God and experience him move and work in your life. Would all of you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're ready to make that spiritual commitment, you can just repeat after me to say, Dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. God, I surrender to you. In Christ's name. And friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I'm going to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just make eye contact with me, just to say before God, to say to me, you're going to trust him, you're going to follow him in your life today. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Just reach out to him today. Thank you. Thank you. God, we thank you for your love, and I thank you for each person just reaching out to you. I pray you'll fill their life with joy and peace, forgive and restore and work in their life and in all of our lives as we follow you in faith. I thank you for them. Lift them to you in Christ's name. Amen.